Good morning. It's your KVMR morning news update for Tuesday, October 3rd. I'm Steve Baker. San Francisco leaders say the city would look very different if Dianne Feinstein had never been elected mayor. More on that later. First, regional weather. Nevada City, Grass Valley. Today, sunny and a high of 75. Tonight, low of 57 and clear. And tomorrow, a high of 82 and sunny, plus staying warm into the weekend. Sacramento today, sunny and a high of 83. Tonight, clear and a low of 59. And tomorrow, a high of 88 and sunny. Truckee Tahoe, sunny today and a high of 63. And tonight, areas of freezing fog after 3 a.m., mostly clear with a low around 34. And tomorrow, areas of freezing fog, then sunny and a high of 66. Placerville today, mainly sunny, high 76. Angels Camp today, high around 80 with sunny skies. Well, LaFonza Butler is the current president of Emily's List, a progressive political group that helps elect women candidates. And she's also formerly a top advisor to now Vice President Kamala Harris. And she's a former leader of California's largest labor union. Well, she'll fill the U.S. Senate seat left vacant by the death last week of Dianne Feinstein, Governor Newsom's office announced on Sunday. The 44-year-old butler will serve until voters elect a new senator next year. And the San Francisco Sunday Chronicle looked at Feinstein's impact from another point of view. Here's Chronicle urban design columnist John King, who says few mayors in this or any large American city took such an active interest in the physical texture of the city that she served in so many ways. Recalls Mart Buell, she genuinely cared about all this stuff. Buell worked with her when she was a supervisor while he was on the staff of the mayor at the time, Joseph Alioto. Says Buell, she focused such diligence on the economy and, and how to keep it lively, but she also was almost naively passionate about how the city looked. And Feinstein was mayor during the boom when two dozen large office projects were approved from 1980 to 1985, a surge of growth so intense, particularly in the financial district in Union Square, that critics pushed back with a proposition that capped the amount of office space allowed from then on. But Feinstein's pro-business stance didn't mean letting developers do whatever they wanted. It was during this time that her planning department crafted a downtown plan that attracted national attention for how it emphasized traditional architectural and lower heights while preserving more than 250 historic buildings. If ever there was a mayor who was a friend of good planning, it was Diane, says Dean Macris, who led the city's planning department while Feinstein was mayor. Before that, Supervisor Feinstein was an adamant and ultimately successful opponent of a proposal by U.S. Steel to build a 40-story tower next to the ferry building, at one point sending a letter to Alioto, curtly informing him that, quote, San Franciscans do not want high-rises on the waterfront, end quote. Nor was this defense of the shoreline a one-time thing. Throughout her years at City Hall, Feinstein sought to tear down the double-deck Embarcadero Freeway that then severed downtown from the bay. Even if I have to become totally gray-haired in the process, she told reporters in 1973. It appeared she would succeed as mayor, presenting voters with a 1986 ballot initiative to replace the viaduct with a boulevard very much like what exists today 
an idea that San Franciscans rejected in a landslide, believe it or not. And when the Loma Prieta earthquake provided the lever to remove the freeway once and for all, Feinstein joined then-Mayor Art Agnos as demolition began, Feinstein exultantly telling onlookers it just needed that push from Mother Nature. All this dusty history in a city that's ever in flux. But it reflects an important truth. Diane Feinstein didn't just care about policy. She cared about places. San Francisco most of all. That from the San Francisco Chronicle's John King, their urban design columnist. Now let's go hyper-local. A case of West Nile virus was identified in Nevada County in September. The patient is now home and doing well. While many areas throughout California have already experienced West Nile virus this year, this is the first human case of the disease in Nevada County this year. The last diagnosed case of West Nile virus in Nevada County was in 2018. The Nevada County resident who contracted West Nile virus first developed a fever and meningitis symptoms and was evaluated in the emergency room in early August. Then the person's primary doctor ordered a lab test that confirmed West Nile virus a month later. The confirmed case was finally reported to Nevada County Public Health. The person had not traveled internationally or had any domestic travel outside of the local surrounding area. Most people with West Nile virus do not have any symptoms, but one in five become sick with fever and may also have other symptoms. Statewide, there have been 153 cases of West Nile virus in humans, 21 cases in horses, and 567 cases in dead birds in 2023 to date. And you can celebrate Clean Air Day by riding the Nevada County Connects buses for free. All routes will be fare-free tomorrow, Wednesday, October 4th, so you can hop on and enjoy a stress-free ride throughout western Nevada County and help reduce traffic and carbon dioxide emissions. Nevada County Connects will be operating normal schedules and times on all routes tomorrow with free fares for all. And by the way, according to AAA, gasoline prices across California are on the rise, with the statewide average surpassing $6 a gallon as of last Thursday. Birthdays today include Keb Moe at 72, and now your Tuesday morning show with resident rapscallion Paul Emery. <laughs> 